Hi everybody, my name is Landon Arenas. Thanks for listening to episode 159 of the Vertex Apologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, a.k.a. B. Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Father in heaven, we thank you for another blessed day you've given us of life, Lord. What a blessing, what a privilege it is for us to gather in this manner through a social platform, more, a social platform Lord, and be able to record another podcast. It is a blessing, Father, to be able to share God's Word and our thoughts, Lord, as to how uh, doctrine and theology applies in our lives, Lord. Uh, I pray for my brother, the brain, Lord. I pray that you continue to bless him, Lord. Continue to be with him as he continues life and um, in the East Coast, Lord. And I pray that you continue to uh, give him strength, give him the wisdom to get through each each and every day, Lord, uh, it's a it's a blessing to to have him as a friend, as a brother, Lord, and uh, uh, it's just a privilege and uh, it's just a blessing for me to have a podcast with Stan, with him where we can talk and uh, just reason together through your word, Father. I pray, Lord, that as we uh, proceed with this podcast, Lord, that your will be done, Lord, and more than anything, that you are glorified and honored, Father, as we. Uh, talk about um, just uh, the day's uh, news and uh, what you have put in our hearts to share, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that the direction that we take it honors you uh, and glorifies your name, Father. Thank you for all that you do. Bless us, Lord. Uh, it's been a tough week, uh, personally, due to loss, Lord, uh, in, in the family, Lord. And um, I just pray that you continue to bring peace and continue to bring comfort and uh, the refuge needed, Father, to get through each day, Lord. Thank you for uh, your son, Jesus Christ, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 My brother! Uh, I'm not as enthused. Enthused? Yeah, enthused. As last podcast. Uh, it's been a rough week. Yeah. Last four or five days, brother. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little bit of a... Not a, I don't want to call it a downer. How about a somber type of podcast, right? Because we're going to be talking about loss and yeah. uh, how fragile life is. Uh, but before we get to that, my brother, uh, let's talk about some news because our two last podcasts uh, regarding Ukraine and Russia have been uh, pretty hot. Yeah. Pretty hot in way of, uh, you know, people are really interested in that and uh uh, what's going to happen as the war continues to uh, uh, happen, take place, and the outcomes? What's going to happen, you know, if Ukraine does get conquered completely, or is there going to be somebody else coming in and assisting Ukraine? I know there's a lot of nations already sending a lot of support and, you know, um, uh, a lot of by way of money, you know, to Ukraine to help out, you know, especially a lot of the. Uh, you know, victims, families, and homes, and organizations that uh, have been hit hard. 
but brother, what do you see happening now, now uh, as far as news goes? Well, I hate to put a damper on all that, <laughs> but I'm going to have to, brother. Because um, um, the reality is a lot of that money that's being sent to aid Ukraine is not going to the people to help the people. It's Uh-oh. going, unfortunately, it's going to corrupt elements in the government that are using it for their corrupt causes. Uh-oh. This is true. This has been true for a long time about a lot of the money that we have generously sent overseas to try and help people. See, this is a problem with trying to send money through big organizations and rather than knowing somebody personally and sending money to them personally mm-hmm. um, is that um, what ends up happening is these governments get the money and then they don't filter it down to the people. They uh, bolster their own bank accounts and they use it uh, for nefarious purposes a lot of the time that was happening in a lot of nations in africa over a period of time uh that we were trying to trying to help excuse me brother i'm hiccuping anyway um and unfortunately that's the, the from what i can gather the information that i've been able to research um that's happening in ukraine right now uh, so I'm sorry to put a damper on all that because I know folks are doing it out of the goodness of their heart and they want to help these folks. But unfortunately, that's not what is happening. Um, now, the other side of that is that uh, Ukraine's already done. They're, 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 uh, there was a Fox News reporter that came back from Ukraine and he basically said Ukraine's gone. Russia's basically mm-hmm. taking it over. Um, now, people would say that's horrible, that's bad. I don't know. We're going to talk about not only loss, but we're going to talk about God's sovereignty after we talk about loss mm-hmm. to kind of ca- put a cap on it and help us to understand loss. Uh, part of that loss is is people seeing Ukraine as being lost, right, yeah, to, to the Russian, Russian so-called invasion. Um, I don't call it a war or an invasion. I use the globalist's own language against them. I call it an intervention because <laughs> that's what they call it. You know, yeah, if, if, yeah. If, if they support it, it's an intervention. If they don't, it's 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 a, a travesty in a war. Um, <laughs> so if they're committing the travesty, it's okay. It's just an intervention. You know, <laughs> that's kind of how how that yeah. goes. But um, so what else is happening? Well. Um, Russia is actually going in with a lot of food and supplies and medical aid, and they are actually helping people, the Ukrainian people, Mm. because their war is, well, their intervention, I should say, is not against the Ukrainian people. It's against their corrupt government. Right. Now, we mentioned before that there was an entire Nazi battalion in the ukrainian army that people don't believe that but that's actually true and when you look at the history of ukraine especially the recent history with the orange revolution that occurred 2014 there was a color revolution Mm -hmm. and um heavy nazi influence it never left ukraine since world war ii actually ukraine became a hotbed of nazism 
from the time that the war ended, the, the war against Hitler and the Nazis in Germany, um, and uh, till today. And so uh, there's been several attempts at a rise of the Nazi, uh, what some people are calling the Fourth Reich, mm-hmm. of course, uh, the uh, invasion uh, of, of Germany against its neighbors. That was the Third Reich with the, the Blitzkrieg and all of that. Mm. And uh, they're saying that, that, that the efforts of them today is called the Fourth Reich. And there was Fourth Reich elements in the Ukrainian government. Now, we also know that uh, these biolabs that we reported on last time, well, they've hit the mainstream media. And the Russia went in and presented evident, evidence against the United States government when it comes to their biolabs and uh, presented it to the United Nations and uh, did an entire thing on that. And what, what did they find? We were developing anthrax. We were developing all kinds of really horrible biological warfare mm. weapons designed for mass destruction and chemical warfare weapons. And who do you think the, the uh, globalist elements in our government, who do you think they um, were targeting, were going to be targeting? Well, it was it was going to be pretty much everybody. Mm. Yeah. Right? right. Now Russia is sitting on Ukraine sitting right on Russia's border. Now, if brother, we found out that there was it, that uh, let's say that the Russians were developing, or now let's let's leave the Chinese. Let's use the Chinese because okay. the Chinese are more prominent right now, and are have we're having more problem with Chinese than we are with Russia right now. That the, the Chinese were developing uh, bioweapon labs. In Ontario. Yeah. And another one in, let's say there's six in Ontario and there's six in Tijuana. All right. So Tijuana is uh, just south of the border from California. And Ontario is just north of the U.S. border up along Maine and those areas. Mm. Uh, How do you think the United States government would react to that? <laughs> right, right. You think you think they'd want to go in and start taking out those bioweapons because they're thinking they're going to use it against us, and right. they want to weaken our people so they can invade us. Now NATO is trying to—they're doing an exercise of something like thirty thousand military personnel, including U.S. personnel. There were over there was hundreds of ships involved. Um, mm. Just a massive force doing an exercise right there, uh, Poland, those areas, right off the coast of Russia. Now, what is Russia supposed to think? Mm-hmm. What do you exactly. think the Russian people are doing? They're, they're, they're hyped up in fear, probably, thinking, oh, no, NATO's going to try to invade us. If you think of it in that context, context, I should say, and it's it's... It's not a black and white issue here, is it? It's more gray, Mm. right? It's more gray in the sense that there's good and bad in all of it. There's good and bad in what Russia is doing. There's good and bad in what Ukraine is doing. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a mixture. So there's really no villain in this as far as, 
Ukraine and Russia go. Mm-hmm. The real villain are the globalists that have infected every government in the world. And the globalists are trying to take over and run all these different nations. And they're trying to basically be the world rulers. And, you know, this, and once again, look, folks, what's, what's the conspiracy theory today will be the facts six months from now. And we've seen this over and over and over and over again. What was been conspiracy, conspiracy theory over the last couple of years, it's all coming out now as being fact, a, a big portion of it. And so, um, you know, so what's happening? How, why, number one, why is it called a conspiracy theory? They're called conspiracy theories because that's a term that the CIA developed to discredit uh, arguments against the Warren Commission report on the assassination of John F. Kennedy in the 1960s. In 1963, I think it was, he was assassinated. And people were saying that this can't be right, what the Warren report put out, because this doesn't match the evidence. Mm. And so the CIA came up with the term conspiracy theory to discredit those folks. Well, now we're finding out that uh, those folks had a, have a high probability of being correct. And so the term conspiracy theory is just a way of discrediting people who are using alternative means to get the truth out. Now, sometimes those theories are not correct. Sometimes they are correct. Mm. But here's the thing. When you're looking at a mainstream media that is controlled by big conglomerates that have money interests, such as Big Pharma, who advertise on all the big news agencies, they can control what's put out about big pharma right right can governments influence news agencies oh you bet they can you bet they can and so do you think globalists can influence um these major media networks yes (laughs) they own most of them it has to do with money flow money talks and so when um when they tell this a news agency, look, uh, big farmers pulling their advertising and we're going to pull the money. If you report on this, you think they're going to report on it? Even if they have definitive facts that it is true. No. And then they tell them you need to discredit that. So what do they do, they go in there and they discredit it. So can you really trust what's been put out by the mainstream media? I can't. I don't trust it. So what do I do? I go to other sources of information that I believe I can trust that show a track record that they have been accurate and true in what they've been reporting. And that's where I get my information. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, it's better to go to individuals and give individuals money. And that way, you, you know that the money is getting to the people that actually need it. I don't give through organizations anymore. Now, I might give mm. through my church. I might give through my church as long as my church demonstrates a trustworthiness in that area as far as pr- providing for the poor and things like that. But I would rather give directly to an individual. And so what Marie and I have done, we, we are supporting a church in the Philippines. 
and we're supporting it through Marie's sister, who's a member of that church. Mm. It's a church plant in a remote area of the Philippines, and uh, her sister is in need of help as well. And so instead of going through a world vision or something like that, we, right. we are world vision. We send the money directly to her sister who we say, okay, this amounts for you. And this amount is for the church to help them repair the damage to the building that occurred during a, a typhoon that went through and help them uh, to build the church. Mm. And the money goes straight directly to them and we've gotten uh, wonderful responses back on that they get the money and brother you out of all of these big fancy organizations that purport to support works like that marie and i are their biggest donors mm, that's awesome um and so and and you know the amount that we give is what we can handle out of our budget and yet we're the biggest donors where are these millions of dollars that are purported to go to help these people? If the amount of money that was purported to go to help these people, like they're talking about in Ukraine right now, actually really went to those people to help them, you would not see the things you're seeing today. You would not see the poverty. You would not see the, um, the problems and the issues that persist because you know why because the whole system is corrupt and if we're living a life where we're not paying attention remember the scripture says the works to walk circumspectantly because of the evil in the world we are to walk circumspectantly and what does that mean it means we're to walk with our eyes wide open and our head on a swivel Knowing what's going on around us, not being ignorant, not being naive, not being easily deceived by the different uh, scams and different uh, trickery, forms of trickery that are out there. We should see right through that stuff. We'd be harmless as a dove, but wise as a serpent. Hmm. Now, the serpent's pretty wise because that was Satan deceiving Eve, right? I mean, wise in the sense of, Who's the most cunning of them all? That would be the devil, right? That would be Satan. He's cunning. He's, he's slick. He's a, he's a strategist. Well, we need to be as wise on seeing that strategy, on seeing his cunningness, on catching it and calling it out and saying, you're not going to fool me. You're not going to deceive me with your cunningness there, Lucifer, Satan, yeah. Um, we are on to your game. Well, who runs the globalist attempt to do all this stuff? I mean, who was funding these bioweapons? Well, that was the globalist, right? right? Who's screaming, who's screaming like a stuck pig? I like using the term stuck pig, brother, because I was called a pig for 30 years <laughs> as a cop. Right. Oh, so I like I like reversing it, putting it back on them. Um they're the real pigs, right? Of course, uh, right. for us, pig meant pride, integrity, and guts, but that's something different. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyway, um, yeah, they're the ones that are doing all of this, that deception. So it, it, sound, it makes it sound like a world that, uh, well, what can we do about it? You know what? I mm -hmm. mean, if they're that powerful and they have that much influence and they have that much deception, 
is it everything is is the titanic going down is it just sunk is the world just going to sink into the depths of, of despair and and um global tyranny hmm. no but that's going to come later in the podcast <laughs> the reason it's not going to is going to come later in the podcast um but uh that's basically what's been happening there's a lot more i mean there's a lot of stuff coming out on medical news and things where a lot of these um hospitals are being ex- exposed for what they've been doing um and of course uh um the news media is being exposed for lying the biden administration okay i i, I looked at the other day at a, at a side by side of a picture mm-hmm. of biden five years ago and a picture of biden today they don't look the same brother mm-hmm. they just don't look like the same person i'm All just right. saying and trump came out in a speech not long ago and says I don't think he's, I don't think he's, I don't think that's the real Biden. <laughs> Trump said that. Oh, that's hey, funny. And I was just, I was just started laughing, but uh, something's going on here. Something's going on. And I think uh, over time we'll, we'll figure a lot of it out. Um, they might not ever reveal all of everything that's going on right now, but we're in a unique time, a very unique time. Yeah. And uh, we're going to survive it. And God is going to do great things out of it and oh by the way the reason uh i said the, the stuck pig right the, the, yeah. the lindsey graham this is twice he's called for the head of putin um uh you know to, to take him out um he's I, i'm thinking okay lindsey what did they find in ukraine that you're trying to hide what did they get on you right right, right. um and you know hillary clinton is going bonkers apparently over all this okay hillary what did they find on you hillary uh, did they get stuff on benghazi uh what did they get yeah, right? right and then they're nato saying okay look uh, you come into poland uh they're um putin you know you're gonna get the full nato response right i started mm. laughing about that but uh okay so nato what are you hiding in poland we found bioweapon labs in Ukraine. So why are you screaming about Poland all of a sudden? What's in Poland that we need to know about? That's the questions the news media needs to be asking. What's in Poland that you're concerned about? That you, what, The Russians uncovered corruption in Ukraine. They uncovered the bioweapon labs. So what's in Poland? Why, why did you mention Poland? They never say anything about Poland. Russia never say anything about Poland. So why are you mentioning Poland? Why are you so scared that they might go into Poland? Mm. You see what I'm saying? This is how we need to be thinking. Uh, Because we we think, oh, America good, Russia bad. Uh, We can never be wrong. They're always wrong. That is such a um, naive way of thinking about the world. The world simply does not function that way. And the America that we knew years ago that actually adhered to the constitution actually had moral principles actually acted upon those moral principles that america as far as our government goes no longer exists mm. now the people fly over country it does exist so there's a disparity a, a, a gulf a great gulf between the people and the government in america the government is globalist 
And so the government has no regard for God, no regard for morals, no regard for ethics, even though they'll say so in their speeches. They'll pretend like they do. Uh, but in their actions, no regard at all. Mm. I'm going to leave it there because that's going to lead into uh, later on in the podcast. Now, like I'm going to lead into your thing, brother. Uh, there has been a lot of loss. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, pe- people are, by the way, Russians and Ukrainians are pouring in to, through our southern border. Um, mm. which they're trying to escape from over there. And um, I told you the first thing, place they want to go to get away from it is this country. So what does that tell you about this country? Even with all of the troubles and problems that we have, all the mess we have, we are still the most sought after country when it comes to immigration. Why? Because we're still the freest country. We still have the greatest amount of liberty. Mm, absolutely. That's, I so, found that I find that amazing, brother. In spite of what this our country is going through, people still want to come here. It's like it doesn't matter. You said it. It's, it's I want to go there. That's freedom right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing. So, brother, uh, a lot of people have lost their lives in in that conflict. The people are losing their lives around the world because of um, this whole two years of pandemic. Now this year has been the highest year when it comes to loss of life. Oh uh, yeah. 2021 was insignificant in comparison to 2020 and 2019. That the amount of people who died in 2021 was comparable to the previous two to three years. So there wasn't a great spike or increase when the whole COVID phobia scare occurred, which was all fake. But once these mRNA shots were brought out and people took them, that's when the spike occurred. And we now see, I was reading today out of Speed to Shift, an 84% spike in deaths in 2022. Mm. 84% spike. That's huge. Uh, It's a big, big spike. And uh, so... There's a lot of loss, and that, that's really where we want, we want to focus is the fact that people are losing their relatives and they're losing uh, people to this thing. And oh, yeah. so uh, here we go. CDC data. It's CDC data shows 84% increase in death of millennials after the vaccine mandate. So um, did I lose you, brother? Nope. I'm here, brother. Okay, we got sound. Good. Uh, I lost video. Oh, so, okay. No, anyway, I'm here if you can hear me. Yep, gotcha. So, um, so with that, I want to lead into your segment where you're going to talk about that loss. Thank you, brother. And uh, yeah, folks, we wanted to, uh, you know, uh, talk about loss. So we, my brother, just shared about. How the last few years, you know, in dealing with uh, this quote-unquote pandemic uh, that obviously has brought about, you know, the loss of life. But overall, life is fragile. Life is, uh, the Bible says, but a vapor. You can see someone today, they're gone tomorrow. And uh, we wanted to touch up on that because uh, in my personal life, uh, since 2008, I have seen my fair share of loss. Um, 
And uh, for me personally, it all started with my mother passing away in 08. Um, the next year, I had uh, my best friend's uh, son, whom uh, at three months old, um, got a, a rare case of leukemia, uh, which uh, caused uh, his death as well. Uh, following that, the f towards the end of that year, which I believe was 09, my nephew, whom was born with a defective heart, uh, at that time there was no way of be of uh, the hospitals or doctors be able to do a heart transplant. First of all, because they were not doing them at that time, and they did not have uh, the knowledge and the right equipment to do it. So, therefore, my nephew lost his life um, probably six months after birth, I believe. Uh, next year comes, brother. Guess what? Had another nephew that passes away just a few months after birth. Uh, was born with... Uh, his head did not develop completely, therefore his uh, cranium did not shut properly, and his brain actually spilled outside of his cranium. Oh, and, man. Um, yes, that was a tough one as well, so uh, he did not make it either. Um, mm. Later on, uh, we find out uh, an uncle, my dad's brother, passed away, and then his cousin passes away back-to-back -back years. Um, old age, but at the same time, illnesses, you know, pre-existing conditions caught up with them. Uh, so we had a couple that's there. My, my dad's sister passes away <laughs> and it kept piling up, brother. After that, we had, uh, um, another family friend that passed away, followed by another nephew. Uh, 2018, my father passed away after spending a whole entire day with him. The following day, I get a call first thing in the morning, and he passes away. And uh, just uh, this past week, brother, after spending some time with my best friend on a Saturday, we have our early morning Bible study. Uh, and uh, the irony of that was that uh, our uh, subject for that study was preparing for the final race and how we uh, stay preach the gospel to ourselves. We stand on the gospel. We use the gospel in our everyday life as we uh, continue the race we're in. And how we prepare for that, it's by preaching the gospel to ourselves, preaching the gospel to others. Uh, four or five days later, brother, I get a call early next day morning. I think it was Tuesday leading into Wednesday morning. Uh, and uh, uh, my buddy's uh, son uh, called and said, can you come to the house? I was in the middle of uh, being half asleep, half awake, and I thought, what? Did this guy leave his family? <laughs> no, brother. This guy left his earth. Uh, God took him home. Uh, so, yes, life is precious, fragile, and loss can be very heavy. My heart has been heavy the last four or five days, not only because of the loss of a friend, a brother to me, but also because he left behind a wife and a son, 21-year-old son, and uh, a mom whom he was only a, uh, he was an only child so his mom uh, she's very heartbroken over this but brother loss in general it's just all around us brother and uh, as we see it could be via war people dying in wars loved ones passing away due to, due to medical or accidents you know things of that nature now as believers 
we we read in scripture that our faith and our trust is in the Lord. Our hope is in the Lord. Even in the midst of such tragedies, our trust is in the Lord. And I know you're going to be talking about God's sovereignty here in a minute or so. But, you know, tell us in regards to God's sovereignty, how does that play into our daily lives? How do we come to understand God's sovereignty when we're in the midst of pain, suffering, agonizing off, you know, over a loss? Uh, and how do we, you know, continue in our lives with that in mind? And then, obviously, give encouragement to uh, the believer, but to non-believers. It's even heavier, brother. Because, I mean, you've heard of things where, you know, somebody loses a loved one. They can't take it. And sometimes they even end their lives because they cannot take life. They cannot continue on. Or they fall into deep, dark depression. Uh, their life uh, becomes a roller coaster where they, you know, instead of uh, trying to pursue a hope or, you know, some sort of uh, relief, they go the deep end way where they get involved in drugs or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They've picked up addictions and things like that to cope with loss and, and the pain. So um, that's basically the direction we want to go, brother. In regards to loss, we have a sovereign God. How do we deal with life, brother? How do we continue waking up every morning and, and, and pushing ourselves to get through our days? That's a, a excellent question. It's a big one. It's a big subject. Let's begin with the four stages of loss. There's four stages of grieving. Um, are you familiar with those, brother? I think I've heard them from you before, but refresh me. Uh, the first one is anger. The first thing that uh, I'm sorry, the first one is actually kind of a shock. You're, you're, um, initially when you hear of the death, um, you go through a, a moment of disbelief, mm -hmm. a period of time where you're really questioning, is this really true? Did this, did this just happen? Right. And you go through, and, and that's a stage of shock. So you go through that stage of shock and that lasts for a little while. Then you come to the realization that it is true. It is real because, you know, it's a shock to the system. Mm -hmm. And that's when anger comes in. So you go from a moment of, of sometimes shock can last for a day, two days. Um, and then you hit anger and anger is why. Uh, why did this happen, right? Uh, and it, it's it's a sort of kind of a sense of an anger of uh, is this just? Is this right? Uh, an anger of loss, that sense of loss, that sense of, uh, and it might even be anger toward God. God, why did you take this person from me now? Why did you do this? Um, and and the, the, if you read through the Psalms and you look at David. He went through all of those emotions, right? Um, and he he dealt with shock. He dealt with anger. He dealt with these stages of grief. And so the Psalms were a good place to go to try and find some comfort. Um, after anger, you come to a point of... Um, Eventually, um, acceptance. I know there's four, and I'm trying to think what the third one was. But 
anger occurs and then you, you settle down from the anger and you, you make your way toward acceptance of the fact that this is real. It happened. There's nothing you can do about it, but then you can, a depression, you can go from anger to depression and then acceptance. Mm. I think depression was number three. So anger to depression and that's where the sadness, the crying comes from. So the anger comes when you, when you know somebody's in the anger part of grieving because they're going to be angry at God. They're going to clam up. They're going to, you know, however people react to anger, like my daughter, she says, you know, when I'm angry uh, and the answer is I don't talk. Or no, it was, it was my wife. I don't talk. Mm. She said that. Yeah, yeah. When I'm angry, I don't talk. I don't say anything. I just sit quietly. Uh, and I, and of course that there's the look, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that the anger look, right. But right. people react to anger different ways. Some people, um, they scream out. Some people yell, some people, they will, uh, get in the car and just take off and go somewhere mm-hmm. and just in this somewhere where they can just let it all out. A- anger manifests itself in many different ways from there to depression. So once you get over the anger you've 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 exhausted yourself from the anger uh and sometimes it's not that severe but sometimes it is the depression sets in and that's when the crying and the sadness and the uh, the inner uh, moaning and groaning comes in where you are really really starting to feel that loss and Mm-hmm. that's when um, the things that you were talking about, brother, can occur. It's uh, you, you go to the bottle, the alcohol, or you go to the drugs, or or you or you hold the depression in and you don't tell anybody and you just, you know, you contemplate suicide or you contemplate some irrational decision. One of the worst things you can do when you're in a loss like that is to start making major decisions in life. Well, I just, you know what, I'm just going to sell the house, pick up and move to a, to a, a, a TP somewhere in the Midwest or something, you know, I mean, you, you, that's kind of irrational thinking that you go through. And when you hit that depression stage, right. And then from depression, if you are successful in going from that, that stage into the next one, you, the next stage is a, a stage of acceptance. Now, God gave us that grieving process. It's almost a, an emotional cleansing for us when we go through this kind of loss. Mm. So rather than trying to fight those emotions or thinking, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way because, you know, that's just not godly for me to feel or anything or anything like that. Embrace it embrace those angers recognize them or those um, embrace those angers embrace those emotions i meant to say and recognize them for what they are and understand that you're going through a grieving process and and when you understand it that's a process that you everybody goes through when they go through a, a loss a grieving loss um it helps you to get through it because you can kind of understand okay this is normal for me to feel this way right you know, it's, it's normal for me to be shocked it's normal for me to be angry. It's normal for me to go into depression. 
And then it's normal from there to go into acceptance mm. that th this is happening. I mean, I've lost both my mom and my dad. I lost my mom when I was a teenager. Lost my dad uh, a few years ago. Um, and, you know, both times there was grieving. More grieving when I lost my mom because I was younger and less mature. Mm. And the grieving was much more severe with my mom. When my dad passed away, we knew he was getting close to death. He was older he was in a nursing home he went in hospice we knew that you know we knew it was coming with my mom it was sudden and it was a shock nobody expected yeah. it so it hits harder when you don't expect it but um so the grieving process for my dad was much much milder much easier much smoother so it, it you know it can go in different extremes so recognize that now, why does God do these things? Why does God take people? Well, number one, we're God's property. Mm. That's number one. And, and God will do with us as he chooses, as he pleases. But but that's just not right. That makes me angry. But, you know, and uh, yep, it's normal to feel that emotion too. But remember, he's God. Amen. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Um, now, that's to the believers. Now, you said, what about the unbelievers? Mm -hmm. Rough road. Yes. Rough road. It's a lot harder for them to go through that loss if they're really closely attached to that person because they have no hope for the future. Mm. Some unbelievers are, are less emotional, less feeling, and they can they can weather that just fine because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They don't have God has not given them a soft heart. The soft heart feels it more, but the soft heart has you know, the, the redeemed heart has a hope, a future hope of heaven, a future hope of they, now they're in a better place. God has taken them and put them in a better place. The unbeliever does not have that. So unbelievers tend to deal with these things by hardening the heart. Mm. What do men do in war? You know, especially unbelieving men. What do they do in war? Now men and, and women these days, um, they get they get hardened. Yeah, absolutely. I can. I can tell you that from, uh, with cops, cops see so much trauma, so much death. I mean, I, I worked, uh, I was on assignment for a period of time with the California Department of Justice, a temporary assignment to them. And we went from homicide to homicide to homicide, brother. Wow. I mean, just, it was just one thing after the other. And um, after a while, you you're looking at the body and you're going, that's another body. Hmm. And you, and your brain goes into, okay, what happened? Who did it? How did it happen? Mode, right? You're trying to figure out the crime. Uh, that's, that's, you get in that mode and, and you, and you don't process the trauma that you just saw. Anytime you see something like that, it's traumatic, right? Yeah. And it, it has an impact on the body because we have, to, they had to go do their job. 
they can't become emotional about anything like that. And so, so they, they stuff it. And that's what's so unhealthy for cops and military personnel who go through that in war hmm. is they hmm. stuff it and that becomes unhealthy. There has to be a, re- a release valve. There has to be a, a process by which you can release that emotion, release that loss, embrace that loss and to the point of acceptance. Right. So when you, when you become hardened, that's not good. That that is when the, the festering begins on the inside. And that's why cops end up committing suicide in such large numbers is because they've seen too much trauma Mm -hmm. and they haven't had any means of processing it. And that's why a good counselor is important. And that's another thing you can do is you can seek out a counselor. If you're having trouble getting through that loss go see a good counselor that can help you through it amen you know that's 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 another way to deal with that and sorry to chime in here a little bit but um i wanted to share that what personally what gets me through times like these is having brothers like you brain around me that i know when i reach out i ask for prayer I ask for, you know, or just tell you, hey, brother, I'm hurting. I'm going to hear encouragement. I'm going to hear the word of God. I'm going to hear, bro, I feel your pain. I mean, I I, I will mourn with you. You know, we will cry together. And and that's, as believers, that's what what other hope, what better security to have than our brothers and sisters in Christ that can, you know, come around and embrace you know, one another in the time of loss, and especially mm-hmm. loss where it's huge, you know, a, a person at a young age who still has a lot of life, had a lot more life left in them, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but the Lord changed plans, took them home. How, you know, those are the hardest, heavy, heaviest times. You know, the elderly, a lot of them, what you expect, because eventually their life is going to end, right? You know, they've mm-hmm. lived a long life, you know, they're, they're experiencing a lot of health issues. But young life, brother, when it's sudden and it's, you know, they drop dead, you're like, wow, what do we do? So for me, it's been a blessing having not only my brother, the brain here, but also my pastor, you know, and other brothers, elders in the church, brothers in the church that I can, you know, just call upon them and they'll be there to to bless my life in this regard. And that's a blessing because that's the way we're able to, you know, get through our days you know, get through our mourning process, our, our suffering, our agonizing and the loss, the loss of life. And as we grow older, that becomes wisdom, right, brother? It becomes wisdom. It, yeah. it becomes maturity for us to where yes. the next loss, guess what? We'll be giving God the honor and glory because God God does that he, as he pleases. And we right. are to honor him by continuing to uh, depend on his word, depend on him and know what to do, how to react when that time comes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's been a blessing for me, you know, and yeah. in response to those that have loss, you know, although we suffer the loss as well, but how do we respond, you know, uh, with those that are suffering as well, you know, be of service. Well, first, know? how how long did it take me to give you a call when you text me and tell me what happened? <laughs> right then and then, bro. Like yeah. uh, minutes, minutes after we t- I text you. Right, right. Now, 
how do we respond? Listen. Mm, that's huge. Just listen to the person. Sometimes just sitting with them in silence is all they need. Mm. Um, Brother, sorry, you bring up a great point. Because naturally, what do we want to do? <laughs> we want, oh, you know, it'll be okay. Oh, God's sovereign. He, he take, you know, we want to give advice. We want to try and coach them through it, right? right. We want to try and fix it. We mm-hmm. want to try and fix fix their hurt. Because we don't, we we're we're uncomfortable around them hurting. We don't want to be around them while they're hurting, right? Mm-hmm. That's human right. nature. But we need to embrace their hurt like they are having to embrace it. And that is more comfortable to them than anything else. And you don't you don't try to fix them. You just listen. Just listen. And if they want to cry out and, and uh, you know, and, uh, and be angry at God for a moment, let them, and don't, don't try to have a Bible study with them at that moment and try to teach them that, you know, <laughs> they shouldn't be angry at God. No, right. Just, and, and don't say, Oh, I know how you feel or, you know, anything like that, because you probably don't know how they feel, you know? And I'll say, it'll be okay. No, it's not okay. They went through a loss, a great loss. It's not okay. You see what I'm saying? So, so the best thing to do is be present for them. Listen to them when they need a listening ear and do things for them. Cook meals for them, right? They're not going to want to eat. You say, hey, I got, I got, I, I got, cook the meal. It's on the, it's on the stove. You know, come, come sit down and join me for a quick meal. You know, um, and if they don't want to eat at that moment, okay, that's fine. The food's available right here when you need it. That's the kind of help we need to give them. Hmm. Right. That's right. Um, and don't say, you know, call me if you need anything. They'll never call you. <laughs> you call them and and just say. Hey, how's it going? Uh, how are you doing today? How are you holding up? Right? And then they need to be able to feel safe to tell you honestly what's going on with them, how they actually feel. Without you lecturing them, without you trying to fix them, just if they have a person they can listen and just and say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. Mm-hmm. And just quietly listen and let them express themselves to another person that's right there with them. Mm. That is absolutely huge. And what you were saying about the, the fellowship, brother, that's why the church is so important. That fellowship we have with the fellow believers is huge, and when, especially in a time of loss. It's huge. And that's why what's happening with these hospitals where they're isolating people when they're going through hospice or they're going through um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. possibility of dying mm-hmm. and they're not allowing the family members in. They're not allowing. That's that horrible, is, bro. It, that is just cruel. It's yeah. cruelty to the nth degree. Um, that should never happen, ever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but because that, that, human contact is so important brother so that's how we respond to them we we don't 
and, and most people they, they respond wrong because they're uncomfortable with the situation they don't know mm-hmm. how to respond but if you just say hey look i'm here for you i probably don't understand what you're going through i probably I'm, i probably don't understand your emotions because each and every death each and every loss is unique to that person and that person feels their own they take their own emotional path through that loss and it might be different than one you took through your loss. Hmm. Right. Always remember that. Yeah. So just, just say, Hey, I'm here for you. You need, need somebody to sit with you. I'll sit with you. You need somebody to listen to you while you're, you know, getting it all off of your chest. I'm, I'm, I'm a good listener. Hmm. That's it. Amen. Later. Once they process it and gotten to the point of acceptance, then you can have those other discussions. Let them go through that grieving process first, though. So, does that answer your question, bro? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, we're moving into God's sovereignty. So, how do we come to an understanding that God is sovereign? Uh, how do we surrender or we get to the point of surrendering and and because we know god's sovereignty meaning in control of everything he knows the whys he knows the how and the whens and as us applying ourselves to understanding god's sovereignty how do we grow in that regard how is that going to bless others because a lot of people do not understand god's sovereignty lord uh brother a lot of people uh have a hard time in understanding God's sovereignty. They, they don't think God is in control of all things, right? They don't think God uh, gives and takes away, or gives but not takes away, right? Mm-hmm. So what's the best response we can give to those that are having a hard time with God's sovereignty? I, I think a scriptural response mm. uh, is the best response. Absolutely. And let's begin with um, processing God's sovereignty. Now the, okay. the, now, the, now, the theological discussion of God's sovereignty, we'll deal with that, but uh, that's a very, very difficult subject because the, the greatest theologians have debated that one out. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But let's begin with processing it. Well, I look at Moses. Mm-hmm. We've, we've been studying, uh, we're in that section in our, our Tuesday morning men's group. And... Um, we're looking at Moses and and one of the things that that we had discussed is the fact that Moses didn't start out really believing God's sovereignty that much. Mm. Uh, But, but Lord, you want to send me to, you know, the children of Israel in Egypt to bring them out of Egypt. But, 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 but but I'm a man of stubborn lips. I I can't speak that well. Mm. Right. Right. And then what's God's response? It's God. God's response is, who created man's mouth, Moses? <laughs> the whole time, everything that God is answering is, God is telling Moses with every answer, I'm sovereign, I'll be there, I'll help you. I'm sovereign, I'll be there, I'll help you. I'm sovereign, I'll be there, I'll help you. That's mm. that's that's what he's saying over and over. Every time, and Moses has several times when he's objecting, saying, but but I don't have this ability. I can't. I can't. I can't. Mm. And God's saying, "That's right. You can't." But I I can. I'm sovereign. 
I will be with you. I will help you. Right. Right. Um, and so that's how we understand the sovereignty. That's how we grow in the sovereignty is through experience. By the end of his life, Moses, Moses was, it was declaring the sovereignty of God upon the mountaintops and being angry at the children of Israel because they didn't get God's sovereignty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Moses was a friend of God, right? Moses right. was saying, don't you understand? God can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's fussing at the children of Israel constantly, right? So right. he went through that transition, that transformation from doubt to uh, to incredible confidence in God. Hmm. Well, how did he get there? Well, God took him there by creating a track record in, in, in Moses' life. Hmm. Moses went to Pharaoh the first time, and he said, let my people go. And, and Pharaoh said no. And Aaron and Moses went, tucked off with their tails between their legs. Yeah. And and what did God tell him? God said, look, Moses, when you go see Pharaoh, make sure you say, let my people go, and then you do a sign. The signs that I taught you. You know, your stick becoming a serpent. Remember, I showed, you put your hand in and brought it out. It was leopardous. And then you brought, put it back in and brought it out. It was cured, right? Right. Just do the signs before Pharaoh. Make sure Pharaoh sees those signs. Did they do it the first time? Nope. Moses wasn't fully on board yet. Mm. And he had to learn a hard lesson. What did Pharaoh do? He said, all right, you want to be, you want to try and leave and go in the desert for three days to sacrifice to your God? You lazy. You're lazy. You, <laughs> as a matter of fact, the scripture says, you're idle. You're idle. <laughs> and that's what Pharaoh says twice, right? Right. He says, we're going to take the straw away. You go find your own straw and make brick, and you cannot uh, reduce your production. And it was right. an impossible task for the children of Israel. Mm. So, God, so Moses goes crying out to God again. And God says, Moses, go talk to Pharaoh again. This time, do the signs. Right? Right. You do the signs, and then I'll bring the judgments. So Moses goes back in, cast the rod down, and it becomes a serpent. So the magicians came in, they cast their rods down, and they somehow manifested a serpent. And the serpent of God swallowed up the serpent of the magicians. That was the first sign. Hmm. Pharaoh paid a little more attention at that point. And then the judgments came. And with Every single judgment, God was building Moses' confidence in him, and he was seeing how Pharaoh was being defeated each and every time. Wow. And it's interesting, when I was looking at the different gods, that um, that they were, uh, that each judgment was attacking, because each judgment was attacking a particular Egyptian god. Mm. Um, because there was a god of the Nile, there was a god of the fly, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Each one of them had a staff in his hand. Each the depiction and picture oh, of each god had yeah. a staff in the hand. There's a reason why God told Moses to use a staff. It was a direct attack on the Egyptian gods. Yes. Wow. 
So, I, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I did not it, know that. I did not yeah. know that God had an actual staff. You know, and in the final judgment yeah. of the firstborn dying, that was a direct attack on Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was considered to be the highest god in Egypt above all the other gods. Mm-hmm. So each step of the way, God was building Moses's confidence in God. By the time they left to go out, Moses, oh yeah, whatever. The Egyptian army, army's coming. Watch this, Israel, and the you know, the seed parts, right? Because yeah. he knew. He says, watch the hand of the Lord do a great work. And, you know, he, I mean, he was declaring God's sovereignty by that time. So that's mm. how we develop it. We develop it by God demonstrating his sovereignty in our lives over and over and over and over again. It's a personal thing, a personal journey that we go through. Now, in concerning him being sovereign over all things, I always go to Isaiah, and I like to go to Isaiah 46. There's a lot of different passages you can go to on the sovereignty of God, but Isaiah 46 is one of the better ones. Verse 9, Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a reverence bird from the east. And he's talking about Nebuchadnezzar. He says he's going to call him down to bring his judgment down upon Egypt. And that's what the rest of the passage talks about. But the fact that he says, my counsel, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Mm. We find that again in, in the book of Ephesians where God repeats that. Now I'll go to Ephesians and I'll read that. Go there real quick. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, and he says this, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. According to the good pleasure of his will. Right out of Isaiah 46. Mm. So God, he says, I declare the beginning from the end. He declares all things. He is sovereign over all things. And that means he is sovereign over the heads of states of all the nations in the world. His kingdom rules over the kingdom of men. Mm. The kingdom of God, the church, the fellowship of believers rules over the kingdom of men, the nations of the world. It rules over the cabal. What's the power of our weapon of warfare? Prayer, scripture, fellowship in the church. Those are our weapons. Prayer is so powerful. We are appealing to almighty God. The same God that parted the Red Sea, the same God that did the judgments against Egypt, 
the same God that called Abraham out and said, I will make you a great nation. And he did exactly that. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God. We should have full confidence in him. And when the circumstances around us look bleak, we call upon our God. The work that needs to be done in the world today, brother, is not political. Although we should be involved in doing political work. The work that needs to be done today is not economic. Although we should be involved in biblical economics. The work that needs to be done today to fix the situation we're in is divine intervention. Mm just as divine intervention was used to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Is God sovereign over men? He said to Moses at the burning bush, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He will not let you go so that I might do my judgments in Egypt. You say, no, Pharaoh hardened his heart first. No, God said to Moses long before he even went to see Pharaoh, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Mm -hmm. yep. God is sovereign over men. Well, why would God do that? Well, why would God, why would Jesus talk in parables so that the Pharisees could not understand what he was saying? Would he want to bring them into the kingdom? Mm. God chooses whom he will. Election, by election, he chooses. Amen. Amen. He, he chose Abraham, not his brother. He chose Isaac, not Esau, right? Or, or right. Jacob, Jacob, not Jacob. Esau. He, he yeah, called, yeah, chose Jacob, not Esau. He chose Isaac, not Ishmael, mm -hmm. right? So God chooses. Well, that's not fair. You know what's? You know what's not fair? That any of us get to go to heaven. That's mm. not fair. Uh, uh, uh. That any of us have the grace of God upon us, that's not fair. You know what's fair? That we all go to hell and burn forever. You know what's fair? That God destroyed this earth as it is right here, right now, totally obliterate it and send us all into hell. That's fair. That's mm. fair. You, we don't think things are fair because we don't understand our own human depravity. We think too highly of ourselves, and that's why we end up with these circumstances where we think, well, God's not being fair. How can God do this? How can God do that? What did Paul say in Romans 9? He said, and I'll read it, uh, concerning that same question. He said, um, for the scripture says unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Why did God do what he did? So that he would demonstrate his power in Pharaoh, or again, you know, his judgments against Pharaoh would demonstrate his power and that he would be declared throughout the earth. He used Pharaoh for that purpose. Well, that's not fair to Pharaoh. Well, Pharaoh was a dirty, rotten, no good sinner. And 
God gets to choose who he pours his grace upon, and he gets to choose who he pours his wrath upon. That's yeah. God's prerogative. Amen. People don't, people don't like that. No, they don't. They see it as an injustice. They see it as, how dare God, you know, would do such a thing if he's such a loving God. Again, not understanding God's biblical love. Um, right. They, they, emphasize, they emphasize his love. They never, ever emphasize his holiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I love about uh, what you were reading in Romans 9 also where it says on verse 15, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It leaves no buts, ands, or, right? I'm right. God, and this is what I do. Very clear. He is sovereign over all mm -hmm. of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then in verse 16, so then it is not him that wills, nor him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. God determines his mercy, not us. Wow. And then it says this, therefore, hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardens. He hardened Pharaoh's heart yep. by God's choice, not Pharaoh's. Well, would go, Pharaoh have repented and gone to God if God didn't harden his heart? No. <laughs> no man seeks God. <laughs> right. Right? So, well, well then if, if that's true, why did God have to harden his heart if his heart was already hardened? God hardened it even more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> because because yeah, there, yeah. there is a thing called human compassion that he could let people go. He might have a moment of human compassion, but that doesn't mean he's not a, not a sinner condemned under God's wrath. Just because, just because unbelieving sinners do good things from time to time, that doesn't mean that they've earned God's favor. We get all confused on this. But listen, Paul has an answer to this thing that we are asking, right? How does that, how, how, doesn't that make God a tyrant, right? That's kind of what they're saying. Yeah, right. Well, Paul answers that. Thou wilt say then unto me, why doth he yet find fault? Why does God find fault? In other words, how can God get to choose and, and, and be so unfair to us, right? Mm -hmm. how, doesn't that make him a tyrant? Here's, here's, here's his answer to that question. For who hath resisted his will? Who's resisted God's will? Nobody can resist God's will. Oh, yeah, you can. I can reject Christ and resist his will. Well, you're assuming that's his will, that you not reject him. Right. <laughs> wow. You know? Yep. No, absolutely. Um, Nick, I mean, was it his will that the Pharisees reject him? <laughs> oh, yes, it was. Mm -hmm. um, nay, but, oh, man, who art thou that replies against god who are you to reply against god that's paul's answer to that whole question well how can god do this wouldn't that make god a tyrant and paul says who are you to reply against god god said what he said he, he did what he did who are you to reply against god who are you that's the that's how paul deals with that that's what we don't like because we yeah. think too highly of ourselves mm-hmm 
that's the problem with the globalists. They think too highly of themselves. That was the problem with Nebuchadnezzar. He thought too highly of himself. That was a problem with Pharaoh. He thought too highly of himself. That was a problem with the Roman Caesars. They thought too highly of themselves. And God, that's the problem with us, brother. <laughs> we think too highly of ourselves, right? God brings mm. us all down. And then he says, Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? <laughs> Lord, why was I born in 1960 in Tennessee you know, during the Cold War? Why, why couldn't I have been born during a golden age? Well, that's just not fair, right? right. How, about, how about those... Uh, what if you were born, brother, um, in the old covenant days as an Egyptian and had to endure all those judgments? Mm. You think you'd have a complaint? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, and we're complaining. Yep. We got it good. We got we have it good and compared to most people in history. Then he says this, hath not the potter power over the clay? God's sovereign over the clay. He's sovereign over us. That means he's sovereign over all men, including heads of state. God determines the nations. He determines what the nations do. Mm. So when we're getting all up in arms, let's go get those dirty Russians because they attacked Ukraine. Let's, let's take Putin out, like Lindsey Graham saying. Let's yeah. take Putin out because he... Oh, excuse me, Lindsey Graham. Who are you? <laughs> exactly. Who are you to, to, to presume that God would would be approve of you wanting to take Putin out? Hmm. Maybe God's using Putin for his purpose. That's absolutely right. Have you thought right. of that? Uh, you know, I, I mean, we want to make it black and white. We. We need to really be careful with social media and the media folks because we get stirred up with our anger and we get stirred up with irrational emotions and that's what drives us to war. And then people suffer. People suffer greatly. Mm, we got mm, stirred mm. up with emotion from the incident of the Gulf of Tonkin that got us into the Vietnam War, which now we're finding out that incident was most likely faked. You know, uh, I mean, the, the globalists got us into World War One. The globalists got us into World War Two. Why? Because they, they finance both sides of the war and they yep. make a ton of money off of it. They make it's blood money. They don't care that millions of people are being slaughtered in this conflict. But the Nazis, but the communists. <laughs> you know what? God can deal with them mm. in his way. The church is flourishing under communist Chinese rule right now. When persecution hits, the church expands and flourishes. How many people have come to Christ in China because the communists are in power? Hmm. And God used that, that persecution under communism to spread the gospel. Don't we see that in the first century with the first century church? With the persecution of Rome against the Christians? God used it to spread the gospel. The church flourishes under pressure. The church is at its best when it's under pressure. What's happened to the American church? Oh, we've kind of gotten fat and lazy. <laughs> we don't have any pressure. Yep. 
but now we're getting a little bit of pressure. We're getting just a, we're getting a little bit of pressure. And what's happening, the church is already getting stirred up. The church is already starting to ramp up. The church in America is starting to come alive again. Why? Because God applied a little bit of pressure. How did he do it? He did it through government. The person in the White House today is in the White House today because God wanted that person in the White House. Mm. For this time, for this moment, gas prices are high because God wants gas prices to be high. Well, well, well why? Why would God do that to us? Well, stop complaining. <laughs> <laughs> he has his purposes and his means and his reasons, and we don't always understand what they are. He's sovereign. He'll work through it. We'll get through it. He'll take us through it. And we'll, he'll give us some kind of a spiritual benefit out of it. Sometimes the benefit of the pressure of the, of the problems, the issues that come into our life are not that we get some physical temporal gain out of it. Oh, out of this, I'm going to get a new house or a new car. No. What you're going to get is a stronger heart. What you're mm. going to get is a new heart. You're going to get, you, what you're going to get is a, is a stronger spirit, a more tender soul. You become more, a more godly person. He said, be holy as I am holy, right? Well, how do we get holy? Through sanctification. Mm. Well, well, how does that work? He applies pressure. We're not sanctified by going to, you know, the beach and drinking, uh, you know, cocktails and sitting, you know, sitting in an easy chair. That's not how God does it. You know how we get strong spiritually? He puts us in the work camp and makes us work and puts pressure on us. How do you do it with the, with Israel, the children of Israel? He allowed them to go through that time when they were being beaten by the uh, Pharisees, by the, uh, not the Pharisees, the, uh, the um, Egyptian taskmasters, right? Uh -huh. Well, why would God allow that? It made them a stronger nation. They had to go into a wilderness, and they had to survive the wilderness. How are they going to do that? God had to make them strong. How did God make them strong? He put a little pressure on them from the Egyptians. We don't see that part of it because we don't want to see that part of it. But that's how we grow, folks. So don't look at the circumstances in the world and think, Oh, that's it. God's coming back. We're going to be taken out with a rapture because we can't handle it. No, wrong answer. We take the pressure. We recognize it for what it is. God's preparing us for something. God's prepping us because he's got a plan. He's got a work for us to do. And yes, he does care about the church even today. <laughs> Because he's building his kingdom. You look in Revelation 21. What flows into the new Jerusalem? The nations. What's the new Jerusalem? The church. Hmm. What The foundation is, is the 12 tribes. The 12 doors, which are 12 pearls, are the 12 apostles. That's the church, the old covenant church and the new covenant church. 
the nations are going to flow into the church. Well, how? Churches are established all over the planet. And guess where they have to go to get spiritual strength? To the church. Christ's bride. You can't grow spiritually as an island. You've got to get into the church and fellowship with your fellow believers. And through that fellowship, God uses that to help you grow. <clears throat> he uses the preaching of the word in season and out of season to help us grow. And so we spend all of our time looking at the news and looking at all the dire situations in the world and we get more and more and more depressed and more and more and more worried, more and more and more concerned. And then God comes along and says, I am God. I am that I am, he told Moses. Tell them that I am is sending you to take them out of Egypt. I'm sovereign, he's saying. I am means that he is the totality of all existence. Nothing exists outside of God's creating it. He is almighty, omnipresent, omniscient, om, you know, omnipotent, right? So why are we getting all worked up? Why did Jesus say? Look at the lilies of the field, how they toil and how they spin. Even on all of Solomon's glory, he was not arrayed with the beauty of one of these flowers. My wife has asked me the other day, brother, how did the birds eat? Where did they get their food? Right. Well, where do they get their food? God provides it. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So why are we all worked up? Have we lost our focus on the word? Have we lost our focus? On the Holy Spirit? Have we lost our focus on prayer? Probably so. Turn the TV off. Forget the social media for a while. Turn it off. Don't post on Facebook every five minutes and stop. And, and take that app off your phone. <laughs> okay? And refocus on God. Amen. Quiet time with the Lord. Time of study. Time of prayer time of reflection, time, quiet time so the Holy Spirit can actually talk to you through his word and encourage you and strengthen you. God's not going to use you if you're not prepared. And if you haven't taken the time to prepare yourself, we don't, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. Well, get rid of a few things. You know why we don't have time? Because we're too busy with all the worldly pursuits. When we come home in the evening, turn the TV off, open up the book, read to your family. I read to my wife every night when we go to bed, brother. We mm. read the scripture. Praise the Lord. Amen. I started doing that uh, about a year ago. And it has transformed our marriage. It's transformed our life. It's transformed our outlook on, on, on the world, everything. I have such a positive outlook on things now, not a negative one. Mm. And so we need to get over ourselves 
and stop worrying about the circumstances. God's got the circumstances. He'll take care of it. Let's put our faith and trust in him. Wow. Just wow. That's a blessing, brother. Folks, as Christians, we put our faith and trust in the Lord. And we have to understand and be obedient that God is sovereign. He does what he pleases in our lives as he did and and the men that he used in scripture. Nothing else to add, brother, but thank you. Thank you. What a blessing. Even me uh, coming into the podcast a little bit uh, down and, you know, sad. And obviously of the loss of my best friend, 30 plus years, brother. Mm-hmm. But your words, and you just encouraged me, bro. I mean, it's, it's again, this is what what's needed. It's what we need to hear. Sometimes it seems a little bit uh, heavy. But for a believer, it's what we need. Because sometimes we have to grab a brother or grab a sister and go, Hey, God is sovereign. And this is why. <laughs> Right, so it's a blessing uh, for those that are going through a hard time. Hey, put your faith and trust in the Lord. Reach out to brothers and sisters that will grieve with you, cry with you, be there with you just to listen and not try to preach to you. And uh, praise the Lord, brother. Thank you for blessing us with uh, God's sovereignty, explaining to us uh, you know, the reality of it and what it is. And uh, we're going to be blessed by this. And I feel a lot of people are going to be blessed. It's been a hard time with loss. Sometimes we, again, like you were saying, we go through life without slowing down, paying attention to others around us uh, that are suffering. And uh, this is a way to to kind of slow us down a little bit and get into the word and put our faith and trust in the Lord again. Uh, brother, I got nothing else to add. So if you have any final thoughts, then you know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, brother. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I hope I, I'm, I'm with you. I hope hope this encourages people and helps them to understand a little bit more of what's happening uh, in their own lives as the world affects all of us. Um, yeah, folks, just um, I don't know. I, I don't want to go through all this again. Just take some time and uh, spend some time with the Lord. That's the main thing. All right. Remember, folks, remember, keep your mind sharp and your heart pure. We'll see you next podcast. Stay hopeful, everyone. God bless you. See you on the flip side. You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. It's a blessing to have you. We hope that you continue to enjoy the future episodes and to tune in and share away with others that might be interested. Uh, I wanted to thank our families for supporting us, especially our wives that uh, they put up with us. They allow us to have time to study and spend time uh, in the Word of God. And uh, in return, they help us as well and they keep us accountable. It's a blessing to have them in our lives. So we want to especially thank them. I also want to thank uh, our church, uh, friends, and uh, men's study that we have, that we continue to encourage, be encouraged about. I want to thank all these people because they support us and pray for us, and uh, it's a blessing to have in our life. Other than that, I hope you continue to enjoy the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. That we will talk to you soon. More episodes to come your way. Other than that, I'm out. We're out. God bless you. 